0: Uh, It is uh, great to have uh, all of you who are here in person this morning, and uh, all of you that are joining us online. And just, uh, you know, as we uh, come up to just really a a very special uh, weekend with Thanksgiving, I hope uh, that all of you, whether you're here or online, just really have a, uh, a meaningful and uh, really good uh, Thanksgiving. I think we everyone uh, needs that right now, and you know, as we think about uh, Thanksgiving, is going to be here before we know it. The end of the year is going to be here before we know it, uh, and so many of you I know think about this time of year, and you think about your year in giving and what you're going to do. And I know that there's many of you who've never uh, thought about that or done that, and which is absolutely fine. And is I've been thinking about uh, 2021 and just uh, what I believe God is setting up and has it in store for us. Um, I would love to just have all of us thinking about our part in what that would mean, uh, especially when it comes to our year in giving right now. And so I've been thinking about that, actually writing a letter uh, to you and just wanted you to know that that's going to be uh, coming out real soon, probably in the next uh, two weeks, and just uh, be looking for that. It's just some things off of my heart uh, to you about uh, just considering uh, that here this year. Um, and with the series that we're starting as well, you know, as we get down to the end of the year here, as Andy was saying, this series of small moments, uh, just having a series that looks at these small moments in Scripture that actually uh, maybe have something very poignant to say, something that really could be impactful for us. And this morning, we're going to look at a passage. It's found in 2 Kings. So if you want to turn there, you can start looking for a 2 Kings. Uh, We're going to be in chapter 4. So 2 Kings chapter 4, it's a story about this uh, woman who's just recently become a widow. And it has put her in terrible financial uh, straits. Her sons aren't old enough to actually start working. On top of that, uh, there's these creditors. Um, and she has no way to pay them, and it, so it leaves her in this place of kind of being destitute because this is there is no life insurance, there's no social security, and she finds herself with just way, way too little uh, to face the situation she's in, and yet it becomes this little story um, that I think has something for us as well. So. Uh, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, and I want to just uh, read uh, the beginning of the story here to you. Look at uh, verse 1. It says, uh, "'The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, "'Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, "'but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves.' "'Elisha replied to her, "'How can I help you? "'Tell me, what do, uh, what do you have in your house?' Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. So it's this uh, story that uh, just in some ways is heartbreaking because she's at this spot where she has just too little. And as I think about that, you know, it hit me, um, while maybe uh, there's not many of us that could relate directly, directly to that story, the thing that all of us can relate to is what it's like to be at a spot or a place where you feel like uh, you have too little for what you face, that, that your little bit just isn't going to be enough uh, with whatever it is. Years and years ago, when Angie and I were first married, um, we, uh, I would sit down and do the bills and um, you know, that's when it, you know, this is before you did bills online. You know, this is, you pull out your checkbook and you go through all the bills and I'm going through the bills and I get to the phone bill and it's really thick. The envelope's really thick and I'm kind of curious about this. And this is, this is before cell phones, this, you know, that you didn't call them landlines, you just called them phones because that's the only kind of phone there was, all right? And uh, this was back before, uh, you know, where you, it's not like you had a package, right? It was you... If you made a long-distance call, you paid for that long-distance call. And I open up this phone bill, and the reason it was so thick is it was like, I don't know, 20 pages of phone calls to all of these different countries. And when I first opened it up, it was kind of humorous to me. I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, it had uh, countries like uh, Honduras and Colombia um, it had Soviet bloc countries like Estonia and the Ukraine. It had these Middle East countries. I mean, it was just, and it just went on and on and on. I'm like, Angie, can you believe this? Oh, they think we called, you know, Colombia to, you know, for an hour and a half. Oh my gosh. you know. And it was fun and games until I got to the end where it tells you how much you owe. <laughs> and what it was, was it was, I, I don't know the exact number, but it was over 50. $18,000 was the bill. At which point I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I got out my landline and I called the phone company is what I did. And I said, we have a problem. Um, and the lady I was talking to, uh, to, you know, kind of resolve this issue, goes, well, you know, I'm looking, all of the phone calls originated from your number, and she verified my address. And I'm like, okay, but I, I didn't make these phone calls. And she goes, oh, well, have you been giving your number out? Well, yes, because that's how people know how to call me. I, you know, I, <laughs> I, was, I, I was a little baffled and a little frustrated. Um, finally, I was able to talk to someone else, uh, and she said, okay, so uh, it looks like maybe you didn't make all these calls. I'm like, yeah, that's for sure, right? Um, uh, she said, but we'll have to research this, and, we'll v- and, and as we go through, we'll research it, and we'll verify any of these phone calls that you didn't make, you won't have to pay for it. I'm like, okay, that's good. She goes, but we would like for you to start making payments on this now and while we do the research on this thing. And I just remember thinking, like, I'm a newlywed. Like, a $30 phone bill is a big deal for me, OK? Like, and, and 15000 like it. And it just, it's that thing where it's just like the, the little bit, you know, in my checking account, just it's like, this isn't going to cut it. Ever have anything like that happen? Like, you know, maybe it was a surprise medical bill. Maybe it was a surprise, you know, car bill, whatever it was, school, something like that. Um, But it's not just with finances or money, is it? Like we can find ourselves at that spot where it just feels like our little bit isn't enough. Uh, It can be like emotional energy. Uh, When our kids uh, were really little, Chandler uh, had just started preschool. Angie got sick. Colette got real sick. And I was like Mr. Mom, right? Like, I went to the grocery store. And I took Chandler to preschool. And I was getting my calendar all worked out. And, I, and it, it got really old, really fast with me. I'm trying to do all this stuff. And I remember one night, uh, uh, Angie and Coley were still uh, really sick. And I had figured out how to get my schedule all worked out so that I could take Chandler to preschool and pick him up and go by the pharmacy and do all of this stuff. And I'm just like, OK, I think I can get through tomorrow, right? And I go to sleep. And somewhere early in the morning, long before I was supposed to get up, but somewhere early in the morning, Chandler comes into our room. You know, and he comes up to the bed at like, a, you know, like a preschooler does, puts his face right in front of my face. Dad, 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 dad. Right? And then i just like, uh. And then he does the thing. He's like, and I'm like, yes, Chandler. You know, he's like, dad, dad. And he's right in my face. My throat hurts. Like, oh. Like, Just, you know, as he's breathing on me in that moment. And it was like, I don't know. You know in your car when the gas gets low enough and there's that ding sound and that yellow light comes on that's like, your fuel level is critically low right now. It's kind of like that came on. Only it was the fuel light for my emotional energy at that moment. It was just like, no, I don't need this. This, like this, it just... And it's that thing where you just, it's like, it's not in the tank. My little bit isn't going to be enough. Now, I look at this story and I fully acknowledge, like, I have never had to face the hardship that she is facing in this story. But isn't it true that we can relate at that level of understanding we've had those moments where in some area of our life, it's just, there's, it's too little for what we need. You ever felt that? Finish this sentence, okay? Let me just, and you, and you can say it quietly if you want, like, or, or silently. But just finish this sentence, right? Um, I'm down to the last little bit of blank. What is it? I'm down to like the last little bit of emotional energy. I'm down to the last little bit of the money I have to get through the rest of the month. I'm down to the last little bit of time. Like, I, like my schedule is filled, and there are all these things I have to do. And it's just, there's not enough time to do all the things I really need to do. Maybe it's, I'm down to the last little bit of like relational bandwidth, right? Like it's just like, you know, I love the people. I love my family. I love, But like, I, like, I just, I'm... I'm getting on empty and being able to you know, keep doing this. What is it for you? What what would you fill in that blank with right now? And the reason I say this is because there's this question that we can find ourselves asking. And it's, what do you do when the little bit you have feels like it's not enough? What do you do? What do you do in that moment? And the thing about this story is, while it starts off right, is the story of despair, the beauty of this little story, and we've already read almost half the story, okay, it's a short little story, is that it turns in this beautiful way that creates hope. And that's what I want you to take away from uh, this morning. There's a couple of little lessons we're going to look at, and I hope that we go through this story, and 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 it does something for you that brings you to the hope that even if you feel like your little bit isn't enough, you'll begin to see it in a different way and operate in a way that actually fills you with hope. Beginning with, there's this simple thing that happens, and it's the reason I think God put this story in the Bible. Uh, One, we don't even know this woman's name. She's this unnamed uh, person. And you'll see this in the Bible. There are times when we have all the names. There are times when they give us names, and we're like, why are you going through all of these names? We don't know these people or whatever, right? And there's a reason for that. There's other times when the Bible leaves a name out, and it's just this person, this man, this woman, this child. And the other interesting thing about this is what you'll see as the story unfolds is, God doesn't get, like, great recognition out of this. This is not a story of this miracle or this thing that happened. There's a miracle in it, but, it, but the way it uh, plays out, it's not like uh, God's name gets announced everywhere in Israel, and it's this thing. God's not doing this because it's this spiritual superstar, and we know her name, right? You know, she's a, she's a Ruth or a Deborah, right, which are some famous people in the Old Testament, right? She's not one of those. She's not a, a Moses uh, character in this. And it's not one of those stories where God does this because how it, how it draws the world to seeing him or worshiping him, which happens many times and is a wonderful thing. And God does that, but not here. And I think part of the reason God does that here is because of what it says. It says something about this woman. We don't even know her name, but she mattered enough for God to intervene in her life in a way that brought hope and joy and security. And if God will do that in this woman's uh, life, and we don't even know her name, the point is he'll do that in your life. He'll do that in my life. Because you matter. You matter to him. This woman mattered to God. And so there's reason to have hope. So in the time we have left, I want to walk through just a couple of lessons here that we can take away when we feel like our little bit is just too uh, little. Um, look back at the story uh, with me here. And I want, to, I want you to look at uh, verse 2 uh, again. And there's something to point out in this. Uh, and this is Elisha uh, replies to her. And it says, Elisha replied to her, uh, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Uh, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Now, I want you to notice this question that he asks, right? He, uh, he sees this dire strait that she's in, and the, and the thing that he asks is, what do you have? And I think that is a great question, because that question all of a sudden switches uh, everything about how this woman will even see this situation uh, it 's a great question for you and me it 'll switch how we see this because when you feel like you have too little like that 's the place that your mind resonates on, and the thing we can forget about is like what we do have and so he asks, "What do you have um, and And it's surprising what can happen out of just asking that question sometimes. Um, If you're a parent, you've experienced this. In fact, we've all experienced this at one uh, level or another. Uh, Ever have one of your kids come home from school and like they got into it with one of their friends. Like it was a big argument or, you know, hurt feeling. They come home and it's, and it's, and the drama comes with it. Like it, it was a thing. And they're like, I had like, everyone hates me. All of my friends are gone, right? It's just I have nothing, right? And you're like, wow, right? And you sit down and you start talking with, you, with your child. And you're just like, yeah, so like, was so and so there? Your friend? And no, they weren't there. They don't even know this has happened yet. Oh, So like, they're still probably kind of your friend. Well, yeah, but everyone else, yeah. Well, tell me about it. And you start. well, no, they were like, they kind of came to my aid in that thing. They kind of see it. My, OK, so that, and you get through the thing and before you know, it, it's just like, OK, so like there's one, oh, two people two people, and you'll probably be friends with them by the end of the week again still, right? And it's, it's like, like, all of a sudden, it's like, what do you have? And that's not to take away from the, the sense of pain or agony right? that your kid went through. Like, they felt some rejection from a friend, and it felt like everyone hated them, right? But when you start asking the question, but what do you have? All of a sudden, it's like you can begin noticing these other things. It doesn't mean that you still only have a little bit of something. It just means you've got some other things. It, it means that there's something more there. It means you do have a little bit. And here's why that's so important. And here's the first lesson that I want you to take away from this. And it's this. It's easy to forget God can do a lot with your little bit. God can do so much with the little bit that you have? I think Elisha asked this question because he understands this. In fact, what occurs uh, um, uh, not long before this uh, is there is a king, the king of Judah, that Elisha is a, uh, gives counsel to. And he gets drawn into this battle. And his ally is the king of Israel. So the king of Israel and Judah go. They get drawn into this battle. So they, they get their troops. And they go out into the desert. And they're ready to fight this battle. And things get delayed and drawn out. And uh, they don't get lost, but they wander around. And they're trying to get set up for this battle. Only they start to run out of water, and before the battle even starts, they get down to almost no water, just like a little bit of water. But in the end, they trust God, and Elisha watches this amazing thing happen. They win the battle, even with a little bit of water, right? And these kings were so afraid that their troops would start, you know, like dropping like flies from dehydration. Uh, which can happen in the middle of the desert in the Middle East, right? That's a real thing. We understand that here. They didn't even have to fight in the battle, and they won the battle. And it's like Elisha's going, you know, sometimes God can do a lot with a little. You see this with Jesus, right? He's got thousands of people, and they're hungry. But there's one kid. He's got a little bit of bread and a little fish. And that's... All God needed. Jesus just, like, he could do a lot with the little bit of that kid. And sometimes it's easy to forget that God can do a lot with your little bit. And so when you face those moments, it's, it's not to pretend like it's not a difficult moment. It's not to pretend like you, you're like, you know, oh, I've got a lot. And, and you're like, well, no, it really is a little bit. But God can do a lot with your little bit. And maybe sometimes it's asking a different question. Maybe sometimes the first step forward is to just simply take an inventory. In fact, I challenge you in this. If you're in that moment where you're feeling like, I've got too little, sit down. In a moment when you're praying, in a moment you're reading uh, your Bible, just like in that space, pull out a piece of paper, pull out your computer or your phone, and just take a small inventory of what you do have. You might start going through and you go, you know, I've got some really good friends. I've got some friends that are here to, to like to support me and care about me. Like, I've got, I do, I've got a little bit of this and I've got like, I've got some skills. I've got some experience with this. I've got, and you'll start going through this and all of a sudden you'll begin seeing what you have because ultimately that's the thing that you're going to be trusting God with. And just see, because God can do a lot with your little bit. Um, The other lesson in this uh, that flows right out of this now um, kind of like takes it uh, the next step. Look at verse three. Look at verse three. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. So just like stop right there. Like, what a weird request. I want you to go and just ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Go around and just, and just keep asking. Even one neighbor gives you quite a few. Like you just go around and involve all your neighbors and uh, get all these jars. Um, and I love that he does this, because it points us to this other thing that we easily forget in this, and it's this. Um, here's the second lesson in this. It's easy to forget God loves to involve others in his plans right? God can do a lot with our little bit, but oftentimes God loves to involve other people and the little bit that they have uh, in his plans for doing a lot. Like this is how God loves to work. And I want you to see this uh, lesson through two sets of eyes. I want you to see it through the, set, uh, the, the eyes of this woman. So think about this woman uh, for a moment here in this Suddenly, as she's going around and asking for these jars, what Elisha has done—it's like he's pointing her to this larger community that she belongs to, and that becomes important uh, when we're struggling with that little bit. Um, have you ever experienced this? Have you ever been in a moment where, like, you felt overwhelmed, like, like life is difficult, you don't know how you're going to get through it, and there's there's a family member. There's a friend, there's someone you trust and you sit down and you're, and it's, and, and this thing, it's like this burden. Ever had that moment where you just feel like, I don't know if I can keep carrying this, like, ugh. And then you have this conversation and it's not that they fix anything, right? It's not that they go, well, hey, here's a million dollars and that'll solve all your problems. Or, you know, um, you know, they solve your medical problems. They solve, like, they just talk to you. They just encourage you. They just are, like, present in care. Have you ever experienced a moment like that, and it was as if the weight of that thing that you were carrying, it's like it got a little lighter. It's like they started carrying part of it for you. I bet you've experienced that. Part of what Elijah is doing is just like he is helping a whole community around this woman help carry uh, what she's struggling with, that they've got a little bit, that they can contribute to this whole thing, that just becomes this huge help. Um, Years and years ago, uh, I had a friend going through a really difficult time uh, in his marriage and just lost all hope. Just like walking through this thing. And, and I remember like it just it written it off. And at one moment, I forgot what it was he said exactly. And I remember saying, I don't think so. I like, no, I like there's reason to hope for that. And he goes, Really? I go, yeah, and I talked about it. And he surprised me. He made this statement. He said, uh, he said, you know, if you really believe that, and I said, I do. Like, there's reason to help me. He goes, I'm gonna borrow your hope. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah if you really have hope, I'm just going to borrow that. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take the next step forward, trusting in what you see, because I'm just down to nothing. And it became this lesson to me that, like, there's this interesting thing that God does through community, where it's like we can borrow hope. We can borrow peace. We can borrow inspiration from people around us. And you know what I've discovered since then? That I've had moments in my own life where my little bit just didn't seem like it was enough. And I was losing hope in some area of my life. And I had a friend. I had someone around me. And they had such a different perspective looking at my story and my life. And it's just like, no, I've got hope. And I've had to borrow their hope. Like, I've experienced that because, right, there's this beautiful truth. Sometimes God wants to use your little bit to do something big and amazing in somebody else's life, right? Which leads to this other lens that I want you to see this story through. And that's the lens of the neighbors, right? The neighbors, they're not in that terrible dire strait in that moment, but they get to be a part of this story, right? This woman comes and asks, you know, can I have some jars? I just need some empty jars, right? And all of a sudden, and it's just their little bit, right? And, it's, and they just start giving this woman uh, these jars, right? And it points out this thing that God can do a lot with a little bit of another. And sometimes we're the other that God wants to use. And sometimes it's the investment of what you already know. Sometimes it's the investment of your finances. Sometimes it's, it is the gift uh, that you give that's in a financial manner. Sometimes it's the advice or the experience you have. Sometimes it's just caring. Sometimes it's letting them borrow the hope or peace that you have. And there's this beautiful thing that the community, it's not just one other person. It's like this community that comes together. And I think about that with us as a church. I think about you know the video that we saw of the drives. It's, it's like why we do this as a church. Because like with those drives, it's like there's a chance for all of us to give away a little bit of what we have. And it's our little bit. And suddenly, collectively, that little bit adds up, it begins to make a difference. And the beauty of doing this with God is that it is, it's not the sum of what we give that ends up being the impact. Because once God's involved, like it becomes multiplication. Once God's involved, the sum of what we uh, can pull together and do makes an exponentially greater impact. Um, uh, it wasn't too long ago, I, was, I got to talk with the CEO of ICS, which is the ministry that we donate much of what we collect uh, to. And, just, and he was sharing about how, how many families they've got uh, coming right now uh, to, the, to the food pantry that they do that have never had to come before. Families that are just like, never in a million years did we ever think we would be the ones needing to stand in line. And he said, as the, as the demand has increased, he said, it's like, like we've been able to meet the need. And the difference this is making in the hope that these families have is amazing. Like, it's just exponential. Even helping people uh, that are on the brink of becoming homeless. To, uh, financial coaching and counseling and helping uh, them out. And you know, um, I was going to say, you know, we may not be uh, financial counselors unless you are actually a financial counselor, and then then this wouldn't be true for you, right? But um, uh, I don't have to be a financial counselor to be able to be a part of making that happen because I'm connected to you, and we are connected to ICS, and it's like we we get to be a part of the bigger plan of what God is doing with the little bit that we have in all of this, which gets to uh, somewhat of how I want and how the leadership of this church is wanting us to think about giving, even when it comes to giving or tithing uh, to Cassis. and how, and And what I want to say with this is how we give matters to us. It matters to me. I do not want people giving because they're trying to avoid... Um, God's wrath, or that, like, I'll give because, man, God will be so mad at me. Like, I, like I, no. I don't want people giving out of shame or out of guilt. I want people giving. We, the leadership of this church, we want people to give because it is a kind of investment, and not just any kind of investment. You know, there's different kinds of investments, and I, like, there's a kind of investment where you invest and you want a return on that investment. There's a dividend, that, that, right, which is a good thing. And there's times where you do that in ministry, where like, there's an investment you make, and there's a specific return on that that, that you're wanting. But there's something more that I, that in the how we give as a church that, that I want us to understand. And I don't have the exact words for this or the theological exact descriptor of it, but you know what this is. It's like this. Right there's a difference between the investment you make that, that you're expecting a dividend return on and the investment you make say in your children right you make an investment of your time you make a massive investment of your money and your resources in your kid but with your kid it's not like you're writing down every dollar that you're investing in your kids and saying okay now someday I want all of this back plus you know let's say 3% interest on this right there was the shoes there was the clothes let's get to college right it's just like you, you may, it's an investment, but you make the investment because it's, you want to see what they grow and become. You want to see a life flourish, right? And when it comes to, to our church community, we invest as a community because this is where you've invested your life. This is where you've invested your family, your kids. You've invested your faith, your spiritual journey here. And so we invest because we think God can do a lot with the little bit that we give. We think that he can grow it. And, we, and it's like you get to stand back and watch something grow, watch something flourish. You get, you get to be a part of the discovery process, just like with your kids. Like, what are my kids going to do? What are they going to become? Because I've invested all of this in them. And there's something beautiful about seeing that. And in the same way, we get to invest in this church. We get to invest on God's behalf, and see what God does in the lives of others, what he does in his community. What Like there's this beautiful thing that can happen. And we get to be a part of that. But it means trusting God and seeing what he will do with our little bit. It means trusting God, even in those moments where you're the one that's overwhelmed, where you're the one facing the hardship, saying, I'm going to trust that God can do a lot with my little bit. I love how this story ends because it, it shapes a kind of perspective that we can have. Let me read just the last half of the story here. And, and, I, and I want to close just with a thought and then a story on it. Look at verse uh, 4. And it finishes out 4 through 7. It says this. He says, then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Now, catch that for a second. He's like, OK, go collect all the jars. And this is where the miracle is going to happen. But before the miracle happens, it's like, go inside, close the doors. The neighbors don't get to watch what's happening here, he says, right? Uh, um, And shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars, and as each is filled, put it aside. She left him and shut the door behind her and her her sons. They brought the jars uh, to her, and, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left. You know, um, what I love about this, which seems kind of odd, is no one other than this woman actually gets to see the miracle. Sometimes uh, we get to be there and we get to see the miracle. Some, and it's because we're the ones that got lifted up in that moment. Sometimes we're the ones that were overwhelmed and it's like something happened, and, but it's like we were the miracle. God did something. Other times, we give our little bit, we invest our little bit. We don't get to see the actual miracle, but we do get to see and experience the beauty of the bigger thing that God does ultimately with it. These neighbors, they didn't get to see the miracle of the, you know, of the unending oil, but they got to see the miracle of two boys that got to stay in their community and grow up. They got to see the beauty of a widow that was at her wit's end and was destitute survive, and be a part of their community. And that family got to stay there. See, they got to see the beauty of it. And it starts with this simple thing of whether you get to see the miracle or not, the miracle's not the point. The point, the point is to trust God and do something with the little bit that you have. And that's my challenge to you, friends. Trust God with the little bit you have and then do something with it. That woman, she started pouring the oil. She started doing something. Those neighbors, they started giving those jars away. They took the little bit that they had, and they started doing something with it. So whatever the little bit is that you have, whatever the situation you have, I don't know what it is, but trust God and do something with the little bit that you have. And you might be amazed at what happens. Um, True story, true story. In 1950, uh, it, uh, in the middle of the Korean War, uh, there were three pilots that were returning from a mission um, from uh, North Korea. And on their way back, they were flying at 32,000 feet in a F-84. I think it was called a, a Thunderfighter. It's the, I might have that wrong. I forgot the name of the, the plane. It was an F-84. So it was one of the first fighter jets. It had like straight wings instead of the swept back wings. They're returning back from a mission, 32,000 feet. One of the pilots did not know that he was losing uh, pressurization in his uh, cabin. And it happened uh, slow enough that he didn't know it happened right away, but it happened fast enough that before he could do anything about it, he went unconscious. 32,000 feet, and he slumps over completely unconscious. His two friends in their fighter planes next to him see exactly what's happened, because his plane started to veer off, and it was getting ready to go into what, uh, uh, some sort of spin that it was going to go into. What can they do? Like, the, like, they've got nothing. They can't crawl in his cockpit and, and fly the plane for him. They've been trying to radio him, but he's unconscious. He can't hear. It's like whatever little bit they can do, like, it, like it's hopeless. It, it seemed like hopeless. Um, one of the pilots uh, by the name of Miller Uh, who, by the way, ended up living in Arizona for a great part of his life, actually retired and passed away uh, not too long ago here in southern Arizona. Uh, Miller uh, is watching this horrible thing unfold right in front of him. And he remembered that in a mission uh, months and months earlier uh, before this, uh, another pilot had a bomb that We tried to drop the bomb, but it got hung up. And this bomb was hanging loose. And they were afraid that when the plane landed, this bomb was going to hit part of the runway and blow up. And so they didn't know what to do. And so another pilot came over and took his wing and just got enough of the airfoil on it that it wiggled this bomb loose. So Miller gets on the radio, talks to the other pilot. And this is what they did. True story. They literally took their wingtips. And before, as this plane is getting ready to veer off, took their wingtips and put them under the wingtips of the other pilot, never touched wing to wing. But as their wings got just close enough, it created enough airfoil coming over the top of their wings, pushing up on his wing, that it righted the plane and leveled it out. And at 32,000 feet, uh, Miller said it took about 20 minutes, they slowly lowered his plane down. And when they got the plane down to 15,000 feet, he regained consciousness had a terrible headache, but he regained consciousness. And you just think, that's how can that, that's impossible. Like, it's just, it's the, like, but it's all he had. The little bit that he had was just, let's just stick our wingtips underneath our friend's wingtips. But that was enough. And I tell this story because sometimes... Sometimes you're the one, and it's like you're at 32,000 feet and you've lost cabin pressure and it's just like you're going unconscious. But sometimes all you need, the little bit that you've got, all you need is like God to do something under your wingtips that just levels you off. And And that's a huge thing to live through that, isn't it? And sometimes you're the pilot next to him. Sometimes the little bit that you have is just to do something. It's just to stick the wingtip that you have underneath the wingtip of somebody around you. And that's enough, because God can do a lot with your little bit, friends. It's why I love our theme for this year, love like you are loved. How many of us can say, at some point in my life, when I thought I was going to crash, the love of God was like a wingtip that just became like a new kind of wind under my wings and loved me in a way that kept me aloft. As you have been loved that way, so be the one that will put your wingtip under someone else because your little bit can do big things with God. Um, before I close, let me just uh, remind us um, just a couple of things. One, if you're on the line or uh, uh, here in person, as we go into this holiday season, I just want to remind us about uh, gifts of love. Like here's a, a great way. If you're, if you're like, man, I want to do something today, real tangible way. Um, I would love to see us help at least another 80 kids through gifts of love. And if you're online, you can use the QR code, and it'll have the instructions you can go through and help a kid through gifts of love. If you're here this morning in person, we're going to have some of our pastors right over here at the stand, uh, and they can uh, help you uh, help out a kid through uh, gifts of love. And if you're here this morning, and you feel like, like you're the one that's losing altitude and going down, just remember. Your little bit, your little bit is enough when you trust God with it because God can do a lot with your little bit. Let me pray. Let me pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we just thank you for your incredible love and we thank you for the miracles that you do uh, that the whole world can see and that shine and that are amazing. But God, we also thank you for the miracles that happen behind closed doors, the miracles that remind us of the beauty of how much you love us. And we thank you for that. And we pray this in your son's name, amen. Have a great morning.